0: G'day, friends. Welcome back here today to have a look at round six of the AFLW. We're getting to the pointy end already. Only four games to go before finals, and the Saints are making a charge. The Saints are right back in it now. Only percentage out of the eight. God, it's wild. Imagine if we won the Port Adelaide game. Imagine if we'd won that. would be four and two with the Giants to come this week. Oh, Man. But but you know, all that aside, I'm wrapped with how we're going, wrapped with how we're going. I was I was ready to take Dale's head. I was I was so over it at, you know, three quarter time in the Collingwood game. And, you know, now we've won three games in a row. We're looking we're looking great, really happy with how we're going. So I take a look at the St Kilda Hawthorne game, obviously today, and then I also had a look, how could you not, at the D's and the Crows, the top of the table clash really trying to figure out, you know, who the best team in the competition is. I still don't know if we know, um, but what is interesting is that both the D's and the Crows, in their last four games, they each have North Melbourne and Brisbane to come at some point in those final four games. So that is an interesting aspect. So I think going into finals, we're going to have a pretty good idea of who the best team in the competition is um i think it might be adelaide but yeah it's hard to say at this point but this this is one of the best games of aflw that i've watched it was an excellent contest between the d's and the crows alrighty let's get into it I'm Okay, St Kilda and Hawthorne. The Saints survived a little bit of a scare here with Hawthorne kicking three goals to none in the last quarter. Um, it was reeking of the Port Adelaide game. like It was lo- it was very much looking like it had the potential to turn into the same game. Like we-, we were four goals or so in front of Port Adelaide a few weeks ago and then they ran over the top of us and Hawthorne came out after three-quarter time like a different team. They were so aggressive, led by Emily Bates, who is just a monster. Um, But it's good to see that we've learnt as a team. Just when you can, control the tempo of the game, when it's slipping away from you in the last quarter. Just, you know, you take 30 seconds off here, 15 seconds off there. You you get a couple of uncontested marks. And with, you know, the shorter nature of the AFLW quarters, um, you can really make... The clock, your ally. It's a lot easier to do that in the AFLW. So I was really pleased, um, not with how we finished the game, but how we were able to... I mean, sort of with the, how we finished the game under the circumstances that were presented to us, I think is the way to put that. Um, but I thought I thought for the entire game, our pressure was elite. 20-odd smothers is an excellent number. The, the, on the coverage, um, it was... Kelly Underwood and Ellie Blackburn and they're going, oh, there's another smother. Oh, there's another smother. Like they were because I think Hawthorne had a bunch as well. Every after half time, every smother got commented on because they were racking up so many. But that is a fantastic example of effort. You can have tackles and you can have, you know, your pressure rating. Um, and they're all connected when you're talking about pressure rating. But I think a smother is such a good indicator of effort because you switched on at the moment where yet you, you probably could just take a take a little break, right? Say you're standing the mark, or what you know, or or there's you know a player that's going to kick the ball sort of near you, but they're about to kick it, so it's going to go. You, you know, you could just go like seventy five percent and just like throw an arm out, you know, just <clears throat> excuse me, just for the sake of it, but instead. The Saints girls were like, no, I'm going to dive on every single kicked ball. I'm not going to give them any easy disposals at all. And I thought, you know, that was the reason we won the game. It was the reason we won the game. Um, We also had 81 tackles, which is above average for us. Hawthorne had like 93 or something, so they still had more. Um but i think 81 tackles is a great number and you could you could see the pressure especially early on um from from smith my god she she's turned herself into a pressure machine she's taken this time that she's spent out injured to get fucking shredded she's only 19 i don't even think she's 20 yet and she's fucking <laughs> fucking arms are ridiculous that's why she tackles the shit out of everyone and is also really hard to tackle herself She's she's only played, has she even played 10 games yet? It might have been her 10th game on the weekend, something like that. But she's turning into a superstar right before our eyes. I can't believe the improvement that she's already made, like the noticeable improvement in this season. Like she, she came back and she's been pretty good, um, but it seems like she's getting better and better every week and she's making her pressure game her one wood, and it, it's noticeable. I thought she was a huge part of, You know, this entire team pressure, you know, effort that the girls are going with. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Commiserations to Steph Chiocci and ACL. Uh, ACLs just break your heart. Um, They're not fair. They are so cruel. Um, I I love that she's already come out and said that she'll be back. I think that's fantastic. I think she's 35 years old something like that. Um what I think is really good about the AFLW at this stage at least is a lot of the girls haven't spent their entire lives playing AFL. Some of them have, some some of the young ones especially, but what some of the girls are able to do because their bodies aren't as banged up is they're able to play well into their 30s, which I think is fantastic, like you know, some of these girls who you know, waited a long time for the AFLW to exist. Maybe they didn't get to start playing until they were 28. You know, they're able to get, you know, five or six or seven years of their career in the AFLW because, you know, they're they're not... Like, you look at the men's competition, you get a lot of players who, you know, you get some players who can go until they're 33-plus, you know, on rare occasions, but most players are done you know by 30 31 like you got to be a a really good player to still be playing good football sort of beyond the age of 31 like what percentage of men's players like 32 and up are like 100% in their sides um best team you know every every team might have one player There'd be plenty who don't. There'd be a few who have more than that. Like Geelong are obviously an older team. Even like Collingwood, who are an older team. Like they got Pendlebury and Sidebottom and Cox. And I think that's all who they've got who are over, you know, and, and Cox, you know, <laughs> he's, had a, he's had a good year, but up until this year, you know, to, yeah, he's an interesting sort of player. But you get what I'm saying, right? The... the the lack of beatings that their bodies have taken, the AFLW players, you know, in their early 20s, allow them sometimes to play well into their 30s. So hopefully Steph can come back next year and get a full season under her belt. She's, she's, you know, she's been a great addition to the club. She's clearly loved by all the girls in the team. So, yeah, I wish her a a speedy recovery because she was playing some pretty good footy as well. But, you know, she's out and... Provides an opportunity for someone else. I'd say now probably Rosie Dillon stays in the side, um, and Zenos just comes back in. I thought Dillon did pretty well. She might need, you know, she hasn't this first her first game for the year, so she might need another game or two to really get back into the swing of it. Um, but yeah, I'd say Zenos just comes back from suspension. that would be the only change going into next week. Um, Exxon as well. I thought was fantastic on the weekend. She's turning herself into a really dangerous forward. Um, two goals. I thought her pressure as well was outstanding. Was really, really impressed with her game. Um, Maddie Boyd is, you know, she hasn't spent, I don't think, any of her career playing down back and she's been asked to play down back now at St. Kilda as a key defender. is improving every single week. You can see it. She took, I think, six intercepts on the weekend, which is excellent. Um, she's looking more confident. So I wasn't sold on her in the first few weeks, but she, you can see her improvement week on week. So yeah, I'm really happy with how she's going. The fact that you can see improvement in so many of the girls as the weeks are going on, I think is a testament to probably Dal as a coach. I think I probably judged him harshly, <laughs> maybe, because now, now that we're more than halfway through the season and you can sort of see what he's going for and what he's got the girls working on... um. I think it's easier to see now that he might be a pretty good coach. I think um, Nicholas Stevens is another one I want to mention. Haven't been, you know, she hasn't had a massive year. I wouldn't say I don't think she's hit this. I don't think she's kicked a goal so far this year. And, you know, her impact has been down, but I thought in this game again, she didn't kick a goal, but I thought, you know, it, they're going into this game as, you know, we're going to put heaps of pressure on Hawthorne. They're a high tackling side, you know, that, that's sort of their thing. So we're going to go back at them with as much pressure as we can. And I thought Nicola Stevens did a great job with that number of tackles inside 50. Her pressure just in general inside 50 for us was huge and it led to a few scores and it helped sort of keep the ball in our forward half. So I thought she did a really good job as well. And yeah, the thing that I was most pleased with is what I led with to start off with our ability to control the tempo of the game late when we could. You know, Hawthorne got a couple of quick goals early in that last quarter, and we looked a little bit rattled. Um, but then we were just able to settle a little bit. You just take a little bit of time off here and there. You get the ball out of, out of bounds when you can, and you force stoppage. And I thought we did that quite well. Um, just before I talk about the Hawks, one other thing I was pleased with is we were able to get seven goals on the board without any coming from Wardlaw. I thought Wardlaw had a pretty quiet game, both forward and in the ruck. Um... But our ability to score wasn't hurt that much, so I thought that was excellent. Um, and and once again, Lamb Lambert Lambert's ability to hit the scoreboard, like the fact that our brand new midfielder is our leading goal kicker for the year so far, um, I think is amazing. She kicked another goal on the weekend. It's just something that's impressed me heaps. I wanted to mention that as well. Let's talk about the Hawks. Um, they are an excellent pressure side. I think they're developing really well. Breck. Breck, Beck Goddard, is a very good coach. Um, I mentioned Emily Bates before. She is a freak. Just, God, just... There's a lot of, you know, attention given to Malloy and Conti and the Presparkis girls and, and all these players, but Emily Bates is the reigning best and fairest in the competition, and it's pretty obvious why. Like, she'd had a really good game, Up until three quarter time, and then she just went ballistic. And if Hawthorne were going to win that game, if they had won that game, it would have been because of her. She just went freak mode. Like she she was a little bit frightening, just grabbing the ball and just exploding out of packs and, you know, using it well and setting players up. And her effort was unbelievable. She ended up with 23 contested possessions for the game. Out of her 32 disposals or something, I think it was, the 23 contested possessions is wild. um, Awesome numbers. And for the second week in a row, th- there was a few different players on it, but Hannah Priest, I think, went to her mostly. And and it, it's it's sort of hard to tell with the coverage sometimes, but it looks like for the second week in a row, Priest has gone for this sort of, it's not really a tag, but it's a... You know, I'm going to play on the opposition's best midfielder, but I'm, I'm just going to do my thing, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to back myself in as a dangerous midfielder in my own right um, and see if I can make them sort of accountable rather than trying to go for that shutdown role. I think it worked better last week on Blackburn Um but it went okay here. Priest had a pretty good game. Um, but I thought her game last week was probably the best of her career. But yeah, Emily Bates is just unbelievable. I thought Tilly Lucas Rod was fantastic. Another ex Saint, um, and Stratton as well for the Hawks. Very dangerous as well. Um, but yeah, I really like what Beck Goddard's doing with this team. She's making them a dangerous pressure side, and that's it's a good way to when you've got a young team. You know, maybe you haven't got the most skill as you would like on your list. So, all right, well, what's something that literally anyone can do is you can tackle and you can put pressure on, you can do all that shit. So um, really good building blocks for the Hawks. I think all, all the you know, all these expansion sides from last year, Hawthorne and Essendon and Port and Sydney are all doing well. They're all doing different things well. Essendon are going brilliantly. Um, Sydney and Port Adelaide are going okay as well. But I think all four of them um, are improving a lot faster than expansion teams have in the past. Like this is St Kilda's fifth season um, in the competition. And it seems like only just in the last four weeks we're figuring our shit out. So um, yeah, I've been really impressed with all the expansion sites this year. We've only got one team left now who hasn't won a game. It's the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are yet to win a game. Even West Coast, who are going horribly, have won a game. The Giants weren't going that well. They've won a game, so yeah, it's oh, it's a it's a worrying sign for for Nathan Burke and his dogs. If he wants to come to St Kilda and be an assistant, he's welcome. <laughs> he's welcome. We'd love to have him back. Um, let's talk about the D's and the Crows because this game was outstanding. Crows getting the job done in the end by 10 points. Um, the Ds came with a rush in the last quarter. They nearly stole this. They're, they're a fantastic final quarter side, but they just the, the gap was a little bit too big for them to bridge, and the Crows were able to you know get on the scoreboard a little bit in the last as well. I think it's a little bit unfair that Adelaide are allowed to have Hatchard and Marinoff because like their combined numbers in this game were bananas, 60 disposals between them, four goals, two between them, 19 tackles, 28 contested possessions, and 762 metres gained between the two of them. Um, They are just freaks. As a combination, it's like having Bontempelli... And Petrarca in the same team, or you know, Bontempelli and Dacos, or Petrarca, and but like two of the best midfielders in the competition, just in the one team, and they're two also who are never mentioned, you know, alongside your Presparkises and your Contis and, and all those girls. Um, but they they are amazing players, the two of them, and I think they work together so well. Just that they complement each other beautifully. Just watching the two of them work, it, it was quite amazing, you know, just to, as a, as a duo, just watch them dismantle the D's midfield. Um, it was quite something. But, but the, the problem that I think that leaves is that they might be Adelaide's biggest asset, but they might also be Adelaide's biggest weakness. Because what happens if, say, one of them gets injured or one of them is tagged out of a game? Because, you know, you look at the two of them and then the sort of next, you know, best group of players for Adelaide, there's a big gap in output, right? In impact on games, there's those two. And then there is, at least in this game, there was a chasm, Allen, their ruck was quite good. I thought their back line in general was quite good. Um, but like the rest of their midfield, you know, they've got other good midfielders in there, just didn't have a big impact on this game. And yeah, I just worry that if, you know, if like I said, if one of them was to get injured or if they come up against a team who's got a good shutdown mid and they go to, I don't know who you'd pick. You'd probably go... Oh... Oh, who would you tag? You're going to tag Marinoff or Hatchard. This is a good question. Oh, I'd probably go Marinoff. Probably. I feel like she's a little bit more instrumental in sort of setting up their ball movement, like getting it from inside to out. But like they're, they're, like Hatchard is just as dangerous. Like it's six or one. <laughs> like I think I would go Marinoff. I think that'd be an interesting um, question to ask someone in the AFLW, like ask an opposition coach. If you could tag one of them, who would you tag? It's an interesting question. That's like if you can tag Oliver or Petrarca, who are you going to tag? That one's a little bit easier. Probably tag Oliver. They're slightly different players. I think Hatchard and Marinoff are similar enough. That's a pretty hard question to answer. Um, Adelaide. So they're on top of the ladder at the moment. Brisbane and North Melbourne to come in their next four games. They've got to play Brisbane away, so that's going to be interesting, but it's a different Brisbane side. Remember, remember no Wardlaw, no Bodie, no Bates. Um, so that'll be an interesting game as well. Remember, you know, Brisbane is still top four despite losing those players, so they're having quite a good year. Um, and North Melbourne also having a really good year. So I think we've got a really solid... Top four at the moment. The other team in there is Melbourne. Couldn't get the job done in this game, but you know they have their weapons. Um, I thought Eden Zanker played a fucking ridiculous game. She <laughs> was unbelievable. She, her first quarter was fucked, right? So she kicks two goals. She's jumping at everything. She's chasing after her follow-up work for a key position player is bananas. She had this one play on the wing where she sort of got it. Or was part of a group of players who got the ball back on the halfback flank. And then she worked it up the wing. Her run and carry was crazy. She was running. She gave the ball off. She got it back. She fucking stiff-armed somebody. She was out of control. I was like, Jesus Christ. Never seen her play like that. She's a good player. But, man, I've never seen her play a game like that. That was really, really impressive. And then she did it again in the last quarter. So she went missing for an hour. That's okay. (laughs) Then she went in the last quarter, she kicked another three goals to end up with five for the game and was just doing the same shit again. She was fucking everywhere. She was getting up and down the ground. She was jumping at everything. Something that really impressed me about the way that she plays as a key forward is her timing for jumping at the ball. It's something that you, like, there's a, there's a handful of players in the AFLW who are really good at it, but not many. And, yeah, I thought she something that she did really well in this game was just her timing, and it, it sort of stood out because of how good it was. Yeah, I thought she had an unbelievable game, Eden Zanker. She kicked five of their seven goals. <laughs> so that is something that's a little bit of a worry for the Ds. So she kicked five, and then um, McNamara, the wing, kicked their other two. Um, so, you know, of, of their seven goals, five of them were kicked by their, one of their key forwards and the other two were kicked by a midfielder. So, you know, a lot of their forward line was really, you know, limited in their impact. The Macken sisters struggled. Kate Hawth it looked like she was playing mostly midfield, maybe 50-50, but she wasn't able to hit the scoreboard. Harris wasn't able to hit the scoreboard. Um, she, she, seemed to have more impact when she was in as the second ruck. Um, so that's something that the Ds could work on. Adelaide have got a very good backline. They've got an excellent system. They have a pretty young back line, actually, but they're, the way they set up and operate is really, really good. So they made it difficult for the Ds. Like, how would the Ds have gone in this game if Zanka didn't have this, you know, freaky game? They, they might have actually got walloped, so that's a little bit of a worry for them. Um, Tyler Hanks, I thought, also played a fantastic game, especially in that last quarter. Her and Zanka together in that last term just went ballistic. There, there was a center clearance that Hanks got where it would have been um, Lauren Pierce just tapped it just into, into sort of space, I guess, and Hanks just went through the center of the ground. I don't know if she came off the back of the pack Or she started at centre-half back. You couldn't quite see. I assume she came from the back of the pack. But she just went... And she just grabbed it like perfect timing. It was a set play, obviously, but it just looked fantastic. And then she kicked it inside 50 and it ended up in a goal, I'm pretty sure. So I thought Hanks was really impressive as well, one of their better players. Melbourne also have North Melbourne and Brisbane to come. So it's going to be fascinating to see... You know, all these top teams playing each other over the next few weeks. I'm sure at least one of those games I'll probably have a look at. Um, I'd love to see... Oh, I'd probably like to see North and Melbourne. Might have a look at that game. Depends. Depends. I I, I nearly looked at um the... Was it Richmond and Gold Coast from this weekend? The one-pointer. That looked really exciting. Um... But I wanted to have a look at how the teams at the pointy end are going. And Ds and Crows are going really well, both of them. Um, but I was really impressed by the Crows. You know, both of them got their worries. You know, the Crows, are they too reliant on those and the two superstars in the middle? The Ds, you know, is their forward line having enough, have they got enough spread of contributors? So no one's playing perfectly except for the Mighty Saints. The Mighty Saints who have been undefeated since... Uh, it's, <laughs> Since the middle of September. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> um, that will do for this one, guys. Thanks heaps for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a review. Um, oh, there's something else I wanted to say as well. I have figured out, I've solved the mystery that is Kelly Underwood, right? I've figured out because she did the Saints game, so I was listening to her voice for two hours. I was like, God, why do people hate her so much? Like, she's not the worst commentator in the world. She's a little bit annoying and she fucks things up sometimes, but she's, you know, she's not awful. But I realised why people don't like her. And people are going to figure out that they don't like this person either. She's the same as BT. Her and BT as commentators are the same person. Getting players' names wrong, getting teams' names wrong, Fucking faux pas, city, just like making mistakes left, right, and center, while also sort of having the the sort of horse race caller voice, like being able to add just this slight aura of excitement to their call, while also not really saying a whole lot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like nothing inherently wrong with the way they're going about it, but just something that's a little bit grating. You know what I mean? Um. I think I think BT's well, 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 well past his prime. It hasn't been a great caller for a little while. I, th- I find him really annoying to listen to sometimes, honestly. Um, but everyone fucking hates Kelly Underwood, um, which I think is a little bit unfair to her. Like, I think she's fine. I think she, you know, called this game pretty well. Um, a, a caller who I would love to see do more games and maybe break into the men's competition next next year is Jess Webster. She did the Crows D's game and I thought she she her calling was fantastic. Um one of the, one of the better female callers that I've heard. I thought she did a fantastic job. So I'd like to see her get a bit of a you know promotion, you know what I mean? And and one other thing before I finish up, um Ruby Slasher and it's Sarah, Sarah Hosking. <laughs> I get I get her and her sister mixed up. Her and Sarah Hosking have started a podcast called Tag. The more AFLW content the better. This is this will help grow the popularity of the women's competition. Um I listened to the first episode the other day. I thought it was great. Um, I'd love to see them get into more like actual AFLW stuff. Like it was only a 20 25 minute podcast and they talked a bit about pop culture and things, which is great. You know, I love that stuff. But I'd be happy for them to do like 20 minutes of pop culture and then another 20 minutes of AFLW stuff, like talking and results and form and, and all that stuff. I think that'd be really great. So yeah, just something else I wanted to mention. All right. Thank you again for listening and I'll catch you guys next time. Bye.